has. The first Sunday in January begins that week, and there is a schedule. You can look in the bulletin and find. Um, And we usually have a guest speaker and have for many years that uh, really just ignites this day for us. Uh, Tonight we're going to come back at 6 o'clock for prayer, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, at the end of the service. Uh, Definitely some intercession and some very specific prayer points that uh, could have great bearing on you and your family and and the needs that you're uh, facing, uh, especially our church. Uh, One way that I've been um, strongly uh, convicted this year is definitely in the way of fasting. Uh, I fast on a regular basis. Um, I've had extended fast before, but I'm going to go on a fasting journey uh, that began the first of the year. And uh, Elmer Towns had a lot to say about that. Good old Liberty guy. And uh, I'm going to go for a length of time. Somebody, how long are you going to fast? And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to fast tomorrow. And then when I finally get there, I'm going to count how many yesterdays happened, and I'll tell you how many days that I fasted. But I am in it for the long run. And I say that because I want to inspire you to fast with me. I want you to go the distance, whatever that may be. It may be one meal a day uh, during this, uh, during every week, during this month. But I want to encourage you, not only is this a week uh, of prayer, but I want it to be a week of fasting for you, however you choose to navigate that. There can be some information in the uh, bookstore. If there are not some books in there already, which we have had some, we'll make sure there's some there just in case that's new for you. Everybody's got to figure out how it works uh, for them. My wife is thrilled because I've already stopped snoring. So uh, over time, yep, fasting can have that effect on you uh, because you lose weight. Just go with me on that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, William. I'm going to give you the best. I- they're coming back. They're coming back. Just here we go. Well, you know, God puts uh, people in strategic times in history and strategic stations Interestingly enough, when you read the Bible, most of the time they're not clergy necessarily or pastors. They're shepherds and servants and slaves and tax collectors, fishermen. And they go out and they change their world. He puts them in unique places. And he simply says, I want you to be salt and light where you are. And so when this year was rolling around and we had to decide, what direction are we going to take Uh, to kick off our week of prayer. I thought about William Harrell. I heard him speak earlier this year at the uh, National Day of Prayer, and I was very impressed. William Harrell is the CAO in Doug Wilder's office, the mayor of Richmond, and uh, as he said, uh, Doug Wilder comes up with the ideas, and then I go do them. I'm sure it's a little more complicated than that, and if you read the papers, you know it's a lot more complicated than that. And here is this man who is a light to the community, Because in that process, he's been having a prayer meeting for an extended time on Wednesdays at 12 noon in his office. And this isn't a mild-mannered prayer meeting. This is the prayer meeting where people in the other cubicles are going with you, whether they want to or not. Well, uh, since then, that's actually moved to the retreat center called Richmond Hill, and it's accommodating more people coming, still at 12 o'clock. And uh, William Harrell's definitely a part of that. And here's a man of faith, a man in our city who we're believing transformation is going to come, a man with vision to believe that God is going to bring peace, prosperity, and reconciliation to this place, and he's a man of prayer, and I thought there's no better person to help ignite our week of prayer, and I hope our year of prayer, than William Harrell. Would you welcome him as he comes to share his heart? I'm just so excited. I mean, the Holy Spirit has just hit turbo in my spirit, I tell you. I, 
I'm just getting really, really excited. Let's, let's uh, close our eyes in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you've done. And I want to thank you now for answering prayer. It was my prayer that today would, would lead to a change, that today would in some way ignite the body of Christ of this region to turn closer towards you. I received that. I also prayed for your presence, that your glory cloud would rest on the Richmond region. And I just, the spirit is just so high in here now. Uh, I just thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me just say, before I get started, I did this at 9 o'clock, but uh, it's on my heart to do it again. Uh, You have a wonderful pastor, a wonderful man of God. And being a leader in an organization, I know the type of sacrifices you have to make. Um, At the 9 o'clock service, we had a friend from Chesapeake, Virginia, which is where I'm from. We had guests in town, and, you know, they were laughing, joking, talking, watching the football game, and I was getting ready for today. But that's a sacrifice that a leader has to make. It's a sacrifice that I've had to make over and over again, and it's it's a sacrifice that your leader has had to make for the past 27 years. And I would say working in the body of Christ is even more challenging because not only do you have the normal administrative detail that is required to run an organization because the church is a business. It should be run on Christian principles, but it very much is a business. And those churches that don't realize have problems, financially and otherwise. But in addition to that, you also have to be aware of the hearts of the people. He will have to give an account, and that's one of the things that they talked about earlier at 9 o'clock. He will have to give an account for how he dealt with you. What a responsibility when you think about that. So I want to honor this man of God. Can we give him a hand? Can we stand up and just give him a hand, please? Pastor. Let me just say, when you have a good man, you need to let him know. I I tell my wife that all the time. I don't think she's paying attention sometimes. But, you know, on a serious note, as I was watching, you know, some of the pageantry with uh, former President Ford and uh, what a gentleman he was for this nation. And, you know, it came to me, the spirit was just saying, "We, we often wait until people are gone before we love them and thank them. So I just, you know, we've got to honor our leaders uh, when they deserve it, and clearly he does. So I thank you very much, Pastor, and I thank you for opening uh, the doors of the church to me. I'm also going to follow the spirit here. Uh, One of the things I noted at 9 o'clock was that uh, I'm a planner by nature. I went to University of Virginia, um, have an outstanding academic record. I like to get things organized, so I really wanted to prepare for this and started thinking and getting my thoughts together as to what I would say, because what a legacy this is. Pastor Giles just did an excellent job here, and to step in his shoes, I wanted to do something dynamic. So I started thinking very early, and the Lord wasn't speaking to me about this, okay? 
So then it wasn't until Thursday, then I felt a cold coming on me. And I, I just had to shoot a devil because at the end of 06, distractions were all over the place. I don't know if you experienced that, but 2006 at the very end, it was just very, very difficult to focus on the things of God. And I knew it was an attack of the enemy. But come Thursday, I stayed home from work. And that's when I really shut in with God, and he began to trickle some things to me. The mayor happened to be out of town Thursday and Friday, so I said, I better go to work Friday because he'll think that I'm just goofing off while he's gone. (laughs) So I really didn't feel good, but I said, I better go to work. And I figured, you know, I'm going to get things done. I'm going to leave early that afternoon, and I'm going to just really get down so I'll be ready to go for the day of prayer. And it just wouldn't happen. I worked late. I was, my head was banging. It was just a terrible situation. But early Saturday morning, the Lord woke me up at 2 o'clock. My wife said, go back to bed. You need your rest. But when the Lord is speaking, I'm going to listen. Okay? And then last night, he was just downloading. So I thank the Lord for his revelation. What, what I'd like to do very, very briefly here is there's so many young people up here. Could you very quickly come to the altar just for a moment? I just want to speak some things into you. Don't be shy. But uh, one of the things that we've been doing uh, in our prayer, we've had intercessory prayer. And if there are other young people, too, in the audience, please come forward if you would like. We're going to speak some things into you no matter where you are. But uh, the bottom line is, and the Lord gave me this message You know, I'm an administrator by nature, which means I work in government. Um, One of the things that held me back when I was a young person is my church was kind of stuffy, and it wasn't cool. And see, I always thought I was real cool. You know, I had the preppy look and all that kind of stuff. I thought I was too cool to know God. But see, what the Lord downloaded on me six to eight months ago, that Jesus was real cool. You know, the way he dealt with the synagogues, turning over tables, doing his father's work. He was cool, but with a purpose, God's purpose. So I just really want to speak some things into you because that's very important. Um, I like X Games. I like John Mayer. I like all kind of cool music. In fact, I sometimes take my daughter's iPod. (laughs) And I listen to her stuff, and I like it. I wanted to be a musician. But God had other plans for me. But I still play around at home with the bass and the bongos. And the spirit got so high past, I almost came over and played the bongos over here. I may come back if you allow me. But let us bow our heads in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, what you said about these young people to us in prayer is that they're not just a group. They are a nation, oh, Heavenly Father. And that you are rising up a nation that's, that's not worried about political correctness. You are rising up a nation that are going to serve him like nothing we've ever seen. So I speak life into you. I speak love into you. And I speak God's purpose in your lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you so very much for coming forward. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I've got to move quickly. I like your look. That wasn't on my notes, but uh, I want to yield to the Holy Spirit. What, what, what the Lord is doing in my life, and many people say to me uh, as a professional, uh, and I've been in local government for 20 years, and I've been blessed. Out of that 20 years, I have been a department head or above for 19, okay? 
I only worked, I worked actually less than a year uh, in a staff position, but I was very quickly promoted to a director of, of management services in Suffolk, Virginia, which was a grants and research office. And I did that for a few years, and then I was promoted to public utilities director. Uh, then I was promoted to assistant city manager. And then at that point, I was recruited to Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, where I was uh, an assistant city manager over what they call the operations portfolio, which was economic development, community development, and all sorts of redevelopment kinds of projects. And it was at that time, toward the end of that tenure, it was 1999. And it was at that point where I lost control of my life. I had been a good student. My parents uh, didn't mind sparing the rod, I can assure you that, and I deserved it many times. Uh, as I tell young people, I, I was afraid to fail, okay? Um, I did really well in, in high school. When I got to college, I didn't realize the level changed, but that's what we're going to talk about now, the levels. I didn't have to study much in high school. I went to UVA, and I failed my first test. I'd never failed anything before in my life. I got an F. And as I looked down on that paper, and this is a true story, I saw my dad's face. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, my dad is a retired colonel. The man is a little crazy, okay? But all I can say is that from that point on, I said, this party's going to be over real quick, and Mexico isn't far enough, because that man will find me and kill me. So, I mean, my life has it's always been ordered. The Lord has always had a hand on me. But in 1999, I lost control of the wheel. It was during that time where my boss was beginning to ask me to do some things that were unethical. Uh, there were some things in the media that he was saying he didn't know anything about. This is, local government is a tough, tough, government generally is a, a tough business. And... I went to my wife and I said, honey, I, I can't handle this. She said, well, whatever. I resigned from my position and didn't have a job. And for the first time in my life, I, was, I had lost complete control. And it was at that time I developed an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I had been saved now. There were aspects of my life that weren't appropriate. But at the same time, when I had no one to go to, when I called my parents and told them what was going on, oh, what a lecture I got there. But all I can say is I went in my prayer closet, and the Lord spoke to me, and it was at that point that I was recruited to the city of Richmond as a deputy city manager under the last, the other form of government, the council manager form of government. Now, we all know Mayor Wilder ran on the platform of change, and I happened to be the most prominent deputy city manager in the city. And he said he was going to sweep the rug out of the city. The cesspool of corruption, all of that, we all remember that. So I was assuming that meant me. <laughs> but I can tell you, I'm a praying man because I am the only senior executive that made the transition. But it's because God wanted me here. Now, what is coming together is strategic alignment. And this isn't in my notes either. But what the Lord is doing, he's lining up government. He's lining up business. He's lining up neighborhoods. And most importantly, he's lining up the body of Christ. 
in strategic alignment for what he wants done in this city. And we're going to talk about that just now. Now, if you will turn to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and I'm reading out of uh, an open Bible, so it may be a little different from what you're experiencing. But, But it says, Now so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gesenaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, verse 3, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now when he stood, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Our subject today is in 2007, the Lord is calling us to launch out into the deep. The Lord is calling us to launch out into the deep. That prayer meeting that we talked about, Pastor Carter is absolutely right. In my office, we were blowing chauffeurs, we had the prayer clause speaking in tongues. And I don't mind telling you, my wife, who is very much, she was here at nine, is very much a Martha spirit. You know, Murray and Martha, friends of Jesus. And she was advising me, "Um, William, I don't think that's real smart of you (laughs) to do that. You know, there's a separation of church and state. And my response to her was, the Lord who placed me here is who I answer to. And look, I've studied with attorneys. My brother's an attorney. Most of the people in my family are either preachers or attorneys, okay? I understand (laughs) separation between church and state, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. When you consider the fact that that most uh, of the forefathers were saved, what, what what that was all about was the church the government sponsoring a specific church activity. That's not what we were talking about. It didn't say I can't be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost working in City Hall. Okay. So we have to be careful that we don't allow lies from the pit of hell to stop us from doing God's will. And And it was at the point where I made that decision that the Lord enlarged my tent. See, we've got to launch out into the deep. If we keep worrying about, well, is this going to offend someone? Uh, Is is this going to to turn someone off? If we keep worrying about things of that nature, we're not going to get the work done for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his hands. We are his arms. So we have to launch out into the deep. In our intercessory prayer, the Lord has been beckoning us 
to come deeper into him. Folks have been uttering, come higher, come higher. And we must focus on his face, which is his characteristics, which is not just seeking his hand, what he can give to you, but seeking his character. That's when the Lord can move on your behalf. And we know the wealth transfer from the wicked to the saviors around the corner. But the reason why it hadn't happened yet is I don't know that we could have handled it. Because if we turn around and spend it on our own lust, what have we accomplished? We're supposed to seed into ministries. Yes, you're supposed to take care of yourself. That's first. But at the same time, we ought to do God's will. And we must launch out into the deep. Now, what we talked about at the 9 o'clock, which we're not going to go back through, but we talked about the importance of prayer and the fact that Jesus felt so strongly about prayer that he, 40 days, he spent 40 days in the wilderness before he launched his ministry, his earthly ministry. And that was a time of prayer and fasting. In addition to that, as he was facing crucifixion, he went to the garden and prayed to the Lord three times to take the cup from him. Again, what we learned from that is not only do we need to pray corporately, but he went a little further than the disciples. We have to pray individually because there's sometimes you just have to have that relationship with Christ. You can't depend on anybody else. It's a one-on-one piece. You've got to get there. So if we launch out into the deep, it is amazing what we can accomplish. Because, you know, as I've gotten more into the scriptures and gotten to know the characters, it is amazing what ordinary people like you and I, because they were just like us, can accomplish when we, one, accept Jesus. Number two, step out in faith. And thirdly, engage in prayer and praise of our Lord. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things. And I encourage you to dig in the scriptures and get to know some of our biblical heroes. Some of us get enamored, and King David is one who I really relate to, with some of the great works that they've done. But get to know the characters. Get to know them. One of the things which is so interesting is David, when he was a boy, right before he dealt with Goliath, you know, he went to make a delivery to his brothers. He heard someone talking about the reward that you would get if you killed Goliath. See, I missed that. I was so, you know, caught up on, man, that's little David killed Goliath. But it is really cool when you read it. He's just like the rest of us. He said, wait a minute. Look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. This is little David. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? Speaking of Goliath. He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? And removes the disgrace from Israel. He had already heard it, but he he just wanted to make sure. That's my kind of man. Wait a minute, before I go into this thing, what, what rewards are there for me? Who is the uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. So anyway, it's just a a little cute piece, but it helps you to understand the fact that David and, and all of our biblical heroes are people just like us with faults, with human frailties, with insecurities. But when you launch out in Jesus, when you step out in faith and engage in prayer and praise of the Lord, extraordinary things can be done. Think about the fact Moses was very, very insecure, okay? We think about Charleston Heston and, you know, how, you know, strong he was. But, you know, Moses really was concerned that he couldn't lead, lead the people. How about Mary and Martha? They're two of my favorite. My wife very much is a Martha spirit, I tell you. And I'm more like Mary, okay? And she reminds me that if it wasn't for Martha, you wouldn't have food to eat and the house would be nasty. <laughs> And you couldn't have had Jesus over, okay? Now, how about Mary and Joseph? And I have a sense of humor, so I hope, hope you can appreciate this. Now, has anybody ever watched uh, Maury Povich or Jerry Springer? Uh, wait a minute, wait. We're, Mechanicsville Christensen, I know you guys don't watch that kind of stuff. But, but as, you're turning, as you're turning the TV to get to the Christian program, have you, <laughs> have you ever bumped into... A show called Who's My Baby's Daddy? Have you ever? Okay, maybe not. Okay. But if you read closely the scriptures, though, but just listen for a moment. If you, it's said that Joseph was preparing to divorce her, okay? And back in those days, it was kind of an arranged thing. So they weren't quite married yet, so divorce isn't what we were thinking. But it was kind of like engagement. And it says Joseph was privately preparing to divorce her. But thank God for the angel that came and said, look, she hadn't been with someone else. It was an immaculate conception. But I'm telling you, they are ordinary people, and they're no different than you and I with the same issues that we're dealing with. All we have to do is launch out into the deep with Christ. Now, one of the things that often prevents us from making progress in Christ, and this is very, very important, is the battlefield of the mind. How does the devil thwart our efforts? And it's through the mind, okay? He attacks us in many cases as relates to doubt. Okay, the Lord told me a year ago that I would be speaking before church. Now, over the course of a year, I've spoken to churches before, but it wasn't anything like this. Today, I am launching my ministry as relates to making a link between government and the body of Christ. That's why God has placed me where he is. But, you know, the devil crept in just at the end of the year because I I didn't feel like it had happened yet. And, you know, I I literally, you've seen TV shows where, you know, there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. And I can tell you as I'm moving forward in levels in Jesus that that's a real, a very real situation. You know, you turn on the news and you often hear someone who's done something awful who says, God told me to do it? Well, the answer 
it's true. God did tell him to do it, but it wasn't our God. It wasn't the living God. He did hear from someone, but it wasn't our God. One of the things that's important for us to recognize is how do you know when God is speaking to you? Charles Stanley did a book back in 87. After I graduated from UVA, I began reading it. And it's always stuck with me. There were several steps that you need to always, when you get revelations, always need to run it through a filter. Number one is what you're hearing consistent with the word of God. The Lord will never tell you anything that you should do that is inconsistent with the word of God, okay? Secondly, the Lord will often send you a confirming word, okay? It can come from a believer. It can also come from strangers. The other thing that's important is being plugged into other believers so that you can pray over it and get further confirmation. And the other piece that Paul shares, which I understand now, is that your spirit will bear witness to it. And as I've grown in Christ, I understand that more. As a baby Christian, I I didn't quite understand that. But the battlefield of the mind is where the devil will take away your joy, take away your dream. He will cause you to doubt. And you have to be careful here who you're listening to and what people are around you. The kids call them haters, okay? I call them dream killers. But there are people who are around you when you say something you want to accomplish, and they say, well, uh, somebody else tried that, and it didn't work. But if God is inspiring your word, you don't need to hear that kind of stuff. The other aspect under the attacks of the enemy is anger and other emotions that may come upon you. As we seek God, we have to seek his character, which is meekness. Sin and guilt can also take us off track. The devil, I always say, is mean and nasty. He lures you into sin and then gets you caught up in guilt. And that's why a lot of people commit suicide. But the blood of Jesus Christ can free you from all of that. But see, when you're preoccupied with sin, your emotions, doubt, or the current reality, you can't see God's vision for you. So you've got to be careful as you deal with the battlefield of the mind. That's where the war for Jesus is won. Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of God, and I'm not going to read that to you. We all know that, but that is so critical. We've got to put the armor on every single day. The other aspect which can stop you from launching out into the deep is your words. And this is one that I have just pastor improved on in probably the last six months or so because we have to be careful what we say. If we believe what God has put into our hearts, then we have to speak it. And see, if you start speaking negative things, then the Lord can't bless you because he's going to honor your words. And the final aspect which steps in our way in many cases is murmuring and complaining. And we only need to look as far as the children of Israel. They could have entered the promised land in about 11 days as opposed to 40 years. And God had to kill off a generation and allow a new breed to go in. So we have to be careful uh, as Christians that we must always speak positive. And the pastor alluded that to us earlier. We must thank God in all situations. When you lose a job, thank God for it. 
a question that I've added to my repertoire is, God, what are you saying to me through this situation? And every situation is a learning experience. When you lose a loved one, you thank God for it. When you have financial challenges, thank God for it. When you have health issues, thank God for it and ask him, what are you saying to me? Lord, is there something else I need to address? Or how do I need to pray? And when you pray, you need to pray back the word and stand on specific scriptures. As I close, I wanted to say something about what God has been saying about the Richmond region in our intercessory prayer. And this is very important because we have a role to play. What God has said to us is that the Richmond region will be an international beacon of peace, prosperity, and reconciliation. Now, you've got to step out of current reality and put on your spiritual eyes and open your spiritual ears to receive that. Because on the surface, you think, well, wait a minute, this is an area that, you know, we're still fighting the Civil War here. How ridiculous is that? And I'll say in a very honest way, and that's as people of all color need to address the issue of racial reconciliation. At the 9 o'clock service, one of your members came up to me and said he was moved by where Richmond will be. He said he's been fighting the Civil War in his heart all of his life. So us becoming an international beacon of peace, prosperity, and reconciliation begins where? In us. He got the vision this morning. It's so easy to look and say, hey, man, those people are racist over here, man. What's going on with them? No, deal with what's in your own heart. And after you deal with that, then the Lord can move on your behalf and on the behalf of others. He's also saying, as I spoke to the youth here, is that there will be a nation that serves him unconditionally. So I felt compelled to raise that issue. Richmond will declare Jesus as Lord. And I do that every day that I come in my office, that I will serve and govern as an act of worship to him. In terms of 2007, the Lord has said to us is that there's an open heaven, that there's a period of mercy and grace here. We need to make our petitions known to him and move forward. But the real reason I raised this whole issue is that in order for this prophecy to be fulfilled, you have to look at 2 Chronicles 7, which I read earlier, which says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's not talking about the unsaved. That's talking about the body of Christ. So in order for God to usher in what he wants for us, it's up to us to go in our prayer closets and confess to him our sins and ask him to bless us with the Holy Spirit to address that. So as we close, if we could just stand now, please. As I say a prayer and thereafter we'll turn the mic over to your illustrious pastor. Let us raise our hands in the name of Jesus, Lord. We stand in proxy for the body of Christ all over this region, Lord. We're doing it right here at Mechanicsville Christian Center. 
but we're also doing it for the entire body of Christ of this region, Lord. Based on what you've spoken to us, based on Luke 5, Lord, verse 4, you've asked us to launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch, Lord. That scripture just tells us later on that there's prosperity when we launch into him. But in order for us to truly celebrate 2007, this first Sunday in 2007, and this week of prayer, we commit to examining ourselves, Lord, and we place our hearts on the altar today and ask you to speak to each of us individually as we take on the deeper things of you, as we launch out into the deep prayerfully and exercising our faith with no limits. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God is up to something, and it's big, and we're a part of it. And uh, William, thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to pray for William in just a moment. Uh, a couple of things: if uh, you know, if you want to join me on this uh, moment of fasting, whatever that means for you, you know, call here if you need information. But the key is you just have to make the decision. Don't wait to make the decision when the eggs are and the bacon are cooking. You won't make the right decision. Don't make the decision in Krispy Kreme's uh, parking lot. You won't make the right decision when the light is on. You have to make the decision that says, and all it is, I'm going to humble myself. I'm just going to humble myself, God. And that's the way I'm going to do it, and we'll see what you're going to do from that. Uh, if you, uh, <coughs> Cleansing Stream, you know, comes with my highest recommendation. And uh, just this morning, driving over to church, I was praying for a couple who don't go to our church, but are, are just in a unique place. And I thought, you know, the, cleansing stream might be God's answer for their lives. And so uh, if you feel that that's the place you need to spend this next season, in the prayer room just down that corridor, you want to meet with Fred and Vanessa. And then uh, tonight we're going to start our week of prayer in the evening service at 6 o'clock. And uh, there'll be time, I appreciate what William said, we've got to get our heart right first. And tonight's going to be a time of getting our heart right of consecration. And then we're going to pray for specific, we're going to intercede for specific areas including uh, areas of the church, of evangelism, of worship, uh, areas of our own lives, of families, of businesses, that people that have businesses or work environments. We're going to be praying for a number of things in breakouts. So tonight, I trust you'll come back and uh, start this year on your knees. Start this year in prayer. We do want to pray for William. We prayed for John and his wife earlier and his family. And William, will you just come down front like you did before? And uh, I think the best way for us to pray for him is just those who will come down front and just gather around him. I want him to know, William, we've got your back. At Mechanicsville Christian Center, we've got your back. And uh, so we just want to spend uh, some time. I'm going to invite all of you just to raise your hands, lift them out, and just begin to pray for William. Whatever God puts on your heart, I want you to begin to pray for William. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. 
Yes, God. Lord, thank you for the servant. May your life find its way into City Hall, to the government of Richmond, that we might see transformation happen to our city. We're the perfect candidate, God, because our sin and our need is so great. Our brokenness is so thorough. Without you, nothing will ever change. And you have placed William, among many others, in significant positions to pray and to live and to work. And so may the salt that is his soul and the light that is his life, may it permeate the environment that he's in. And may it call others who call upon your name forward into prayer, into unity, and into agreement. And would you protect this brother so bold in his faith, and especially in prayer, would you protect him, giving him armor bearers, those that will stand with him and those that will stand around him. And we as a church stand with him as we look over our city, his face will be in what we see to pray for him. Would you continue to lead the government, O oh God, in bold moves, in brave moves, so that true change can come. And above all, O oh God, of all that is great and infinite, would you be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. See you back here tonight at 6 o'clock.